Iowa everywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. All right, boys, it's game day. Let's go. Let's go. Big game. Got a big game today. My package has arrived. Oh, sweet. Nice. Score! Great win, fellas. What game's next? G-Men are having a great year. Let's go, Blue! Here we go. Primetime football. Texans, Dolphins. Let's do this. Yes! Review. Yes! Yes! Heartland flags. Every sport. Every team. Every flag. Every team? That's right. Fine, fine. I'll get a Washington flag, too. Find your flag and so much more with fast, free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. Every sport, every team, every flag. Almost. Loyal sons forever true. Go Cyclones. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brent talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome to the Channel Seed Studios. It's Firmly Entrenched on a Wednesday Almost at Christmas. Not feeling like it. I'm Jake Brend. Local 5 Sports joined, as always, by Nick Oson. Nick, it's a dead week for a lot of us, but not you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing really well. You know, it's a really, really busy time. Uh, kind of similar to, to last year. You know, you're kind of getting content ready for signing day, recruiting. Obviously, there's still basketball games and as our, our great listeners will know shortly, uh, as we kind of get later in the show, I'm a huge Christmas person, and so I still like kind of trying to enjoy the season, things like that. So I would say, you know, busy, but glad to be back with you, my friend, live for this week's show. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking some Cyclone hoops. We're going to talk a little bit of Brock Purdy and Tyrese Halliburton, just the, I guess, the similarities that they've had in their career. And we're going to close with a fantasy draft of Christmas movies, and I'm pumped. We're Me too. Just a true snake draft. We're going we're gonna to post our teams onto Twitter and have 
have the people vote, see who picks the best. But before we start, we've got some breaking news. Bo Bissett. Do you know who this is, Nick? Oh, I saw this. He's a wrestler, and Iowa State has made the final cut into his top 75. This is the most absurd recruiting graphic video, whatever you want to call it, I think I've ever seen. So he's 2026, 20, right? So this is uh, like like a probably 15-year-old or so, and yep. he's like, what, the top wrestler in the nation, I believe. Yeah, one of the best. So yeah. usually if you're the best wrestler, you'll end up at Penn State. Just tends to be how it goes. But okay. Iowa State, Arizona State, Purdue, Michigan, Central Michigan, Cornell, Pitt, Missouri, Oklahoma State. It's like 5% of the list. They're all... They're Badgers all on there? Yeah, the Badgers are there. There's, I want to say Fresno State, George Mason... Man, he's keeping his options open, so we'll be we'll be following incredible. this recruitment closely over the over the coming years. But uh, we'll have monthly aside, updates. <laughs> <laughs> all jokes aside, let's get into some hoops. We're not going to talk about any one specific game in depth too much. The Cyhawk game was six days ago; feels like an eternity. And of course, uh, huge win on on Sunday over Prairie View A and M. I don't know how they overcame that fifty and a half point spread over whatever the nickname of those guys are. But uh, so what I did last night, I dug through Ken Palm. I dug through just ESPN, and I found some stats. And we're just going to call this segment presented by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Go and get your, your Christmas gifts down there. Online, free shipping anywhere or at 3719 Southwest 9th Des Moines. We're going to call this just Analytics to Analyze. Of course, stats don't paint the whole picture. I have stated, of course, I've, as we've seen, has, has played some cupcakes. So this might be inflated, but we've got a big enough sample size, I want to say, about a third of the way into the season. Yeah. So the first one is, I think, the most impressive on the list. It's Taman Lipsy ranking fifth nationally in steel percentage at 6.5%. So what this means... Lipsy gets a steal on six and a half percent of defensive possessions, which is truly remarkable. He he set the school's all-time single-game steals record on Sunday with eight. And on top of this, not just Lipsy, but Iowa State is third in turnover margin. They force seven and a half more per game than they give up, and they're third in both turnover percentage and steal percentage. Of course, Lipsy does more than just the defensive end. Iowa State's also 36th in assist percentage. So 59.8% of their baskets come on assists. Of course, credit a lot of that to Keyshawn Gilbert and Jackson Pavlotsky too. What all that goes together to say is Iowa State's formula is clear. It's turning teams over and it's capitalizing on that. Just... How much of that credit can go to Taman Lipsy, Nick? Honestly, I, I think a good amount of it, Jake. I, I just I, I've kind of talked about it a little bit, you know, on this show. I, I remember and I know we're gonna touch on his ceiling a little bit, so I won't go too far, but just the way that he has grown and added to his game, I mean even just in the last six or seven months, to go from 
a good point guard, good facilitator, can generally get to the rim and you can count on his defense to probably the most consistent player on the team, the best passer, maybe the best on-ball defender, and somebody that is still just in his second year of college basketball, I think is really remarkable. And I do think while he should get a lot of credit, I think the staff has helped a lot with kind of his development so quickly. And he should also get the credit for just putting in that extra work, you know, right after last season ended to get ready for this one. His knack for the ball, for the loose ball, mm-hmm. it, it's incredible. I, w- I was listening to TJ Altsberger's post-game press conference on Sunday, and he just said his instincts are, are second to none. He's jumping passes left and right. It, not, not everything even goes in the stat sheet or shows up in the stat sheet. It's the tipped pass that ends up in just a dead ball stuff like that to take the other team out of rhythm. Lipsy does so much on the floor, and it's crazy thinking back 13 months when, I mean, they don't have Ty, or yeah, they don't have Tyrese Hunter in the starting lineup. He's at Texas, and Lipsy goes from a, a freshman that was probably going to come off the bench a little bit to he's starting day one, and he didn't get time to really iron out those wrinkles in practice or in garbage time. He just had to do it as the season went on. And he had some rough moments last year. I remember that game at Texas tech, but it seems like every single bump in the road from last year motivated, fueled him in the off season. And none of those stats even mention his improvement from behind the arc, mm-hmm. which we said it all off season. If he even gets up to 30%, that makes him that much more dynamic. And that leads me into the question. Now that we've seen a big enough sample size of Lipsy being not dynamic from behind three point line, but respectable. What is Lipsy's ceiling? at Iowa state. I'll let you go first. And then I have a different three or four angles. I can take this. Yeah. I mean, obviously I don't have the entire bandwidth of, of ISU history that you might have, but fortunately, as we've discussed a little bit, as much as I love college hoops, I'm at least as big of an NBA fan. So I know plenty of some of their point guard success, obviously, Somebody we're going to touch on, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, Monte Morris, uh, Curtis Stinson a while back, like other guards that have been really incredible. I think, quite honestly, that his ceiling could be the most complete, productive four-year guard that Iowa State has had in recent history. That is really what I think. That doesn't mean a first-round pick necessarily – though I I really do think he's going to end up playing pro basketball. It doesn't mean, you know, highest scorer, but from what I have seen, the way he impacts games, and you mentioned some of those things you just can't measure, but just seem to happen. I think of how often he gets his own offensive rebound or, you know, goes off the other side of the glass and he gets it. That's really what I think. And I think that he with TJ Otzelberger is just the perfect match for the skill set he had coming in 
and now what you see him evolving into. Yeah, totally. He's just a winning player. I tweeted this Thursday in the in the Cyhawk game. I want to say end of the first half, Lipsy only had six points, and I tweeted Taman Lipsy only has six points, but it feels like he has thirty because of just the amount of winning plays that he was making. And even that game, he had some uncharacteristic turnovers more so than than normal. I think Lipsy's ceiling as a player is certainly to get in that upper echelon of Iowa State point guards while in college. And it's really hard to surpass Jamal Tinsley, Monte Morris, Curtis Stinson, Tyrese Halliburton. But I think he has a I think he has the inside track to get to that level. What I what I think more of a ceiling can be just his level of being a fan favorite legend type just because there's really only been one other player from Ames high school that ended up living up to like fan favorite levels. And that's Fred Hoiberg. And that, uh, I'm not saying he's going to get to the level of Fred or even close because that is, I mean, it's, even though he's coaching in Nebraska now, it's still the highest level you can get at Iowa State. But he gets a whole lot of a boost for being the hometown kid and being someone that fans have known about for six years. I, I remember even like back when he was in middle school, I think he won some like under 14 gold medal and mm-hmm. track or something like that. So he's been on the radar for a long, long time. And TJ says it all the time that nobody wants to be a cyclone. Nobody wants to win more for the university than Taman. And it's, it's abundantly clear while it's out there. And it's pretty obvious that he's the engine that makes this team go. What, like whether the stats say it or not. And the stats clearly say it that, I mean, six and a half percent of possessions are, are ending in steals by Lipsy. And, I want to throw Keyshawn Gilbert in there too. Uh, he's 159th, so a little over three and a half percent. That's really good coming from your backcourt on the defensive end. Let's move on to Big Rob Energy. Now this this stat might be more impressive when you view it in the big picture than anything else. Big Rob ranks 23rd nationally in two point percentage. <laughs> shooting 73.6%. Only five in the top 25 have at least 50-plus attempts. Rob is one of them. And I went back and looked at his stats from the 21-22 season, TJ's first year. He's averaging the exact same amount of attempts. Or sorry, no, this is actually last year. Yeah, he's averaging sense, the, yeah. the same amount of attempts last year as he is this season, and he's over 25% better. The improvement is blatantly obvious. There's some actual touch around the rim, and he's not just this player anymore <laughs> that's that's coming in to really just be a nuisance to Armando Baycott or whatever you have it like that's what he was at the start of last year and he's developed into an actual big 
that uh, is a weapon and that I you can't say more about the the staff's development and of course Rob's hard work to get to that point. Yeah, I think you started to see it, Jake, maybe in around December, January of last season. Like no, I it think was February. It was when the team completely fell apart and there was like a four or five game stretch. I might've even tweeted it. I know I at least said it that Rob is like the only positive right now, which was really a reverse of that December stretch where everyone felt high about the team. And it's like, man, what is Jones doing? So it really flipped. I, I, I know exactly the stretch you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think that's when you kind of started to see, you know, early winter, just that he was developing and adding some of that consistency, the touch, like you mentioned, even some of the post moves, I think really started to help. But this year, I mean, it's tough to really say like exactly who's a top two or three player on the team, just because I think that that top four or five is so strong and consistent, but it's very clear that he is, deserving of kind of getting the opportunities that he is and obviously to be starting now. And I think he is a legitimate, very reliable uh, weapon in the post now. I mean, the percentages certainly back it up. And I think that just adds to, you know, you mentioned the staff, but I, I can say quite confidently just the amount of work like a Tame and Lipsy that Jones put in this last off season, I would say it started the year before, obviously in his first full off season uh, at Iowa state, but you know, I think it's really impressive. And I think he's gone from somebody like you mentioned the Rob energy part, you know, kind of a, a fan favorite like that to, yeah, we, we love this player as, as fans, but he's somebody we can consistently count on offensively as well. Yeah. Along with that, just the, his ability to guard guards is <laughs> on the perimeter. It's, it's really impressive. Actually. I, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense just aesthetically, but it's so really you're right. That. You can see it. Yeah. I was watching Otzelberger's availability this morning and he compared what Rob does from a toughness perspective to what Melvin Edgem did back in his days at Iowa state. I thought that was really, really interesting. Of course, yeah. Rob's not going to be Big 12 Player of the Year. I, I would not advise you to put your money in that spot. But I thought that that was a good comparison of just, I want to say, Ots said a, as Rob's toughness goes, the rest of the team kind of follows suit. And that's, uh, that's very true to that 2014 team. Even throw DeAndre Kane in there. Let, let's move along. So this one's going to stick with big Rob, but it's more the front court in general. Iowa state is the 16th best offensive rebounding team in the country. 37.8% of possessions end in an offensive rebound. The defensive rebounding is 32nd, just under 25% of possessions. Big Rob and Trey both are in the top 200 of offensive rebounding percentage. This you look at the Cyhawk game was the was the key to victory there because you even look back at the Virginia Tech game there were a lot of offensive rebounds allowed in that game gave up a lot of cheap threes a lot of open threes that did not happen against Iowa that's going to be the the key to victory as the season goes along is continuing to be 
an elite rebounding team on both sides of the ball. I think that one to me, just actually picturing it, I believe it's obviously, you know, that percentage is like shots off misses, I, I think. Um, but still, that means just under basically one out of every two. I mean, you're thinking of 10 misses, like you're grabbing four of those. Mm-hmm. That is actually remarkable. I think that's the most impressive one that you've seen from me. So that, you know, I'm kind of seeing so far. And again, it's a testament, you know, Trey King, Rob, and just the physicality that I'm sure that Iowa State practices with and focuses on to kind of be able to consistently get those rebounds. Because I think there was an understanding the last couple of years and there was, you know, there were some nice additions this year, but shooting wasn't always the biggest kind of reliable point for the offense. But like you mentioned, taking turnovers, turning them into transition, taking those second chances, turning them into points. It's kind of like a second level for this offense. And I think clearly it's a spot, like you mentioned, Jake, that has worked super well so far. Yeah. And going off of that, that's just what odds ball kind of is. And I know that it's probably not the style that they wanted to play the last two years. They did it out of necessity. And you've seen this year, the tempo jump up into the top 75, which is even unimaginable compared to the last two seasons. And while maybe some aspects of that ugly basketball have gone away, the hustle and the toughness parts have not. And it's just basic science, basic math that when you're adding more possessions, your defense is going to get a little worse, but it is definitely encouraging to see that the, the rebounding and I guess just the will to rebound has not dipped really much at all. In fact, no. it might've gotten better. I, I think it has when you factor in, like I talked about Lipsy and, you know, Gilbert's not afraid to get down there and get boards either. And and that's just focusing on the guard. So I completely agree, Jake. And I think it speaks to why there are going to be bumps in the road. We're seeing how good this big 12 is yet again, oh why I think the Cyclones are going to be a pretty tough out in March. Yeah. Well, so the defense, this, <laughs> this was probably the, uh, the craziest stat that I came across definitely the most hot and cold. Mm-hmm. So Iowa state is allowing opponents to shoot 39.8% from two point range third in the country. That's remarkable. That's uh, <laughs> that's something that Otts and Kyle green, I'm sure just tip their cap on, but there's a caveat. Iowa state is allowing opponents to shoot 34% from three, which is 222nd in the country. So big picture that, evens out to be an above average defense I'd say. And the, the point distribution that they're getting from allowing twos to allowing threes. I mean, they're not really allowing teams to score from two point range at all, which I think in the long run will be good because you're just, you're allowing teams to try and beat you over top and, we saw that against Virginia Tech. It worked. They did beat Iowa State over the top. But you could also see with Iowa, 
I want to say they were seven of like 27 from three. That's not going to get the job done if you're not getting any points in the paint. And that's uh, that's probably a little bit by design, but I would imagine that the staff would like to see that three-point percentage go down just a little bit. Yeah, and I think, you know, another game I thought of was like that first half of the DePaul game. A, a team that can shoot threes, it will hurt. But I think in the long run, I mean, yeah, obviously the majority of teams, unless you're – I don't know, in Alabama or something like offensively, there's more of a focus to shoot twos. So I think long-term it is going to work. There will be some good shooting teams in the big 12. So maybe Baylor. there will be, yeah, that's exactly where my mind went. Some shifts, but yeah, I think long-term, you know, it's a smart way to go. And I think overall it is still a very positive defense that the Cyclones use. Sticking with three-point shooting, we're going to go to the offensive side of the ball where Milan Momchilovic is 99th in the country at three-point percentage. He's making him at a clip of 46.2%. He's also 11th among players with 50-plus attempts. If you're looking more at the volume part of it there. On the other hand, Kurt Jones actually has more attempts than Momchilovic. And it's just 31.5% even after his Sunday explosion against Prairie View A&M. Milan has gone from probably the most talked about player of the first couple games to honestly, he's at the point where he just kind of is doing what is expected of him in that 12 to 15 point range. But seeing that, especially the being the 11th among players with 50 plus attempts, just reminded me how Iowa State did not have anything near that the last two seasons. And that's going to be huge come Big 12 time. Just he, He's obviously going to have his games like Iowa where his shots weren't falling. He was getting open looks, but he's also going to have a few games where he's going to hit five or six threes, and that will win Iowa State a big game. I, I'm very, very certain of that. Oh, absolutely. And I think this one isn't the most shocking, but I think just that 11th among players with 50 plus attempts, I think that's a little bit more representative of just how special of a shooter he is and why, you know, many people, including myself when I was there and obviously just being able to watch him play uh, so much in high school, I thought it'd be a great fit. He's starting to make those waves, not, with his game that started, you know, weeks ago, but just nationally, the game starting to get out there a little bit more and his relative consistency, I think is what is going to further put him on like some of the draft boards and certainly in the next probably three or four months to the next year, I think get him there. Yeah. And let's close with free throws a little bit more of hot and cold. Iowa state seventh in the country and three in free throw attempts. That's a, that's the sign of a good offense, no doubt. The downside is Iowa State is 295th in free throw percentage, which it doesn't matter if you're shooting two or 20 a game, that will drive a coach crazy. Do you have the percentage there? Get it really okay. easily. So Iowa State yeah. is shooting. Gosh, it's not on Ken Palm. You keep talking about it, and I'll I'll pull it up. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, generally things like that 
can correct a little bit more throughout the season, not like a full, you know, 295th to 10th or something like that. But overall, I mean, when you're getting that many attempts, it's not shocking when you've got multiple guards, you know, that can drive and you've got players that you're kind of going to in the post, but still that is quite remarkable. I'm curious because obviously 295th is not ideal, but just what that actual percentage is. And it helps again, when you've got great guards that can get to the cup and take contact and often finish, I, I think of several and one plays that even I've seen from Gilbert this year. They're shooting 69%. Okay. So but I'm sure. Yeah. I would love to see kind of the dead number. Like how many points have been left? Because there's been a lot of missed front ends of one and ones. Okay. And free throw percentage. It's a pretty black and white statistic, but it's different when like a guard is missing a free throw compared to when Rob is missing a free throw. And, and honestly, Rob has been better from the line this year. I think I would imagine his, his goal, or at least it should be is just go make one. Just don't leave empty handed because that's, there's just some players that are like that, but it's, it's the other guys. It's the guards that when you're getting to the line, I mean, Keyshawn Gilbert is getting to the line at a great clip mm-hmm. and that's what his job is. He's just got to make them. And I think that should hopefully get better throughout the year, but I don't know. It's a pretty big sample size <laughs> so far and that's got to improve or else that will certainly lose them a game or two. There's no doubt in my mind. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. But, you know, as, as kind of fun as it is to speak on some of the current team, We want to hit on a couple pretty big-time former Cyclones before wrapping up with some fun today. Oh, yeah. So, Brock Purdy, Tyrese Halliburton, both uh, went to Iowa State, both played at Iowa State. Legends there, Solid players. Solid players, their time and names. But uh, they are having just incredible seasons. We don't need to break it down if, unless you've been living under a rock. I guess my question to you, between Brock and Tyrese, I don't think either of us saw like this, but which rise is less surprising to you? Yeah, phenomenal question from you today, man. I um, Though I'd be lying if I said I, I projected you know, a top 10 player, like Tyrese is from my home state, you know, where, where I am now, Wisconsin. 
And it was pretty well known that he was underrated as that. I want to say some sites had him three star. I know recently he said like he was a no star recruiter or something like, you know, one site. I don't believe that was us, but somebody didn't, you know, have him rated. I think. I think before his Iowa State offer, he was not rated. Okay, yeah. And so he went in as something like that. Like a a mid to high three-star. And I just think with how games can translate to the next level and knowing about his work ethic for a long time, I think Tyrese's rise is less surprising. I mean, he was obviously a first-round pick, I believe, lottery. So, like, when you have – that type of success and are drafted there, you know, there are certainly some expectations. Whereas for Purdy, I think many of us, myself included, thought that he would have been taken well before he was, but I don't think a seven round pick comes with the expectations of QB one for the most complete team in the NFL. And at worst, a top three or four MVP candidate this year. I know that the odds say one A or one B. I'm speaking to somebody, you know, big into the NFL. I don't think you could say really three or four players deserve it more. So I would say less surprising to me would probably be Tyrese. I'll agree, but for argument's sake, I'm gonna make the case <laughs> that it's least it's less surprising for Purdy. Okay. So while Brock was at Iowa State, I think over the course of time, Iowa State fans took him for granted. I guess I don't think that. I know that. Just because of how how it was kind of brushed under the rug when he left. Like, oh, Deckers has more arm talent. Like, the offense could go to newer heights. And we obviously saw that that did not happen. But the argument for Purdy would be how quickly he turned around that offense in 2018. I don't know what I was doing or when this was or why. Oh, yeah, never mind. I was uh, I was like going through an old sports archive at at Local 5. I was looking for some old old video and I came across Iowa state TCU 2018 highlights. And I watched that Zeb Nolan threw for 70 yards in that game. Iowa state lost 14 to seven. It was an abysmal game. Brock Purdy played the next game. Didn't start. So Iowa state had started one and three that season and he took them to the Alamo bowl. A lot of that, of course, his mobility, his arm strength, all that, his decision-making, but looking back on it more, it was so much more the confidence. And I think Iowa state fans all knew Iowa state media all knew that his confidence would get him in an NFL locker room. It would get him in a quarterback room, but to say that anybody would have predicted this would be insane. I think every realistic person would have said Purdy's upside is probably like a Nick Foles type where there might be a season where he's starting on, on one of the bottom tier teams, but then becomes like one of the best backups in the league. And he has exceeded that 
immensely and has entered that MVP conversation. And he is without a doubt. I mean, he's not the odds on favorite anymore. I think he's second to win MVP behind Dak Prescott, but he gets so much hate. And I don't know exactly where it's deprived from, but I guess, where do you think that hate or maybe jealousy stems for Brock Purdy? Yeah, I think, I do think it is more jealousy or cheering against than hate, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, sorry, sports hate. Let me, yeah. let me clarify yep. that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. I, I knew what you meant, but I, I think it comes, and man, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this draft we got rolling here, but in terms of why that is directed at Brock Purdy, I think it's two things. I think it's the narrative of, you know, Kyle Shanahan's system being like a plug and play for quarterbacks, which it is a, like, if you watch football, if you know football, this is the way to kind of go. It is a QB friendly system, but nobody has had the success that Brock Purdy is having in the system. So he is elevating that by far with his play, his mentality. Obviously you just have to listen to Debo or Trent Williams or anyone talk about him. And I think it's also, just the way Brock carries himself, like they're, you know, all the jokes, like Cole's cash, kind of like Kirk Cousins and just how he kind of, you know, walks in and kind of just, there's, there's an unassuming aura, I think about him Totally. where obviously as we've been around Iowa state, we know that he's very confident and, and can back it up. But I think that maybe doesn't vibe with a lot of people that are either fans of other players or just want to cheer against him. Did you see the Jerry Rice video yep. from Sunday? Yep. That that video was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. Just, I mean, obviously being a huge fan of Brock ever since he was at Iowa State, but he's locked in, throws the ball. Jerry freaking Rice, the greatest receiver to ever play the game, at comes least up, that. comes up, slaps him on the shoulder. Brock stops what he's doing, pays his respect, and then just turns right back around and gets back to being locked in. And that, I think, that shows Brock pretty more than anything else. And I, I do think it's, there's so much confidence. And I think the hate, a lot of it probably comes from people who were wrong. People don't like to be wrong. So whether it's a guy who mock drafted him, in the seventh round and didn't think he would be good. Gave him a grade of backup at best. So there, there's a lot of that stubbornness. And again, I think it's probably people are very quick to say system quarterback for a lot of people. When in reality, there's probably three quarterbacks in the league that three or four quarterbacks in the league that aren't system quarterbacks. At the end of the day, Purdy is elevating his weapons while his weapons are elevating him. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't know why. <laughs> like, that's what every coach in the world would want from their quarterback. And he's doing that better than 99.9% .9 of the players in the NFL this season. And that's why he deserves serious recognition, serious consideration for MVP. I don't know if he'll win it. I don't know if he should win it, but he deserves to be in that conversation. Let's yep. uh let's shift to Tyrese Halliburton for five minutes. 
what is Halliburton's ceiling in the NBA as far as contenders go? Because I think it's pretty clear that this current form of the Pacers can't win an NBA title, probably can't go to a finals. I don't even know if this current form of the Pacers can win a playoff series. What would be the ideal realistic second option for Halliburton? And you might, you if you want to name a specific player, you can, or if you want to do more of like an archetype of a player, feel free. Yeah, I'm going to give you two players, neither of which are likely to happen. One can't, but just to kind of illustrate what I think, like you mentioned the archetype. I think the absolute best would be prime Dwight Howard. So basically Mm. a center that you can trust to obviously score that is not afraid to run a lob threat and the best post defender. So you know that basically, you know, if some of the guys are tired from all the run and gun, which Tyrese has shown to play with in Indiana, you've got somebody that you can count on down low. In terms of the other one, and I'll mention a specific player, I think it'd be Jalen Brown. I think his defense took a step back last year, but you generally can count on him defensively. Obviously a terrific two-way wing very consistent sometimes maybe not in the playoffs but still very consistent like a legitimate top what 15 to 17 player in the nba and again somebody that you know can run up and down the floor that i love that question from you and that is kind of where my mind went yeah i i think without a question that halliburton is good enough to be the best player on a finals team there's no point in his yeah. Iowa State career that I would have ever predicted that. Even even coming out of the even coming out of college going into the draft, I thought he should have been a top 5 pick. I know that Steve Kerr is still probably kicking himself for not drafting him instead of James Wiseman. I do think that his ceiling is that potential because I So I was listening to Kevin Garnett's podcast today. He had Halliburton on and he was talking about how markets in the NBA are so blown out of proportion. Obviously everyone wants to play Miami, New York, LA, but what he said is that the player is way more important. And Tyrese is a player that players will want to play with. Just like I'm a Nuggets fan. People want to play with Nikola Jokic because he's going to get them the ball inopportune situations so you can capitalize Giannis here in Milwaukee like Dame you know was open to playing there yeah a little bit but a little bit after Miami but you know what I'm saying yeah a little I think Halliburton Jokic and LeBron are probably those three where it's just the passing ability the passing IQ is just so much above any other player Chris Paul five years ago that that's he's going to be someone he's going to be a destination for free agents even if Indianapolis is not so I think it'd be awesome if Paul George went there this offseason a little homecoming they're obviously really good friends been on he's been on PG's podcast a lot 
that's the type of player where you get that veteran three and D type guy. That'd be really cool, but it's just going to be really fun as the winter and spring rolls on to see what Purdy and Halliburton do, because these are guys that came into Iowa state at the same time and have had nearly identical, identical trajectories since then. So let's thank our friends at steeple Ridge bourbon before we get into our, our fantasy draft is our producer Aiden is going to throw our names into a random order generator steeple Ridge bourbon. It's a high quality, delicious drinking bourbon in this Christmas season. You can do what I do. You can mix it with eggnog. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah. You heard me right. If you can't find steeple Ridge, at your local liquor store or grocery store, just ask for it. And if they say no, then uh, just call us. We'll put matters into our own hands. We'll get it there. But it's the best is from Lonely Oak Distillery. So now let's move into some Christmas talk. We're going to do a fantasy draft of Christmas movies. Three rounds. We're going to do a snake draft. And of course, you can only pick a movie once that goes without saying but aiden is going to uh i've been looking forward to this man he's gonna randomize a list for our order and i I, yeah i can't wait all right aiden welcome the official order is number one nick all right number two jake dang it number three i want to be last okay Reminder, it is a snake draft, right? Yeah. So All right. Aiden, Aiden will get the third and fourth pick. Let's have some fun. So this is not <laughs> this would not necessarily be my number one favorite. But you got one one, Nick. No, no, no. But I think it's more likely to be chosen from you guys. Hand okay. Pick. So Hand I'm picking pick. it first. Oh. Thank God you picked that. Will Farrell. Oh I I'll be passing it soon, but love that movie. I just love, you know, the spirit. I mean, I am a Christmas nerd. I will say that. So that's my pick. Passing it on. Let's go. See, I, I like Elf. It, it was definitely on my list, not my 1-1. One, one. So I'm I'm thrilled that my 1-1 one, one is still here and will hopefully be okay. on the board in the second round because I'm not going to go with my 1-1. One, one. Okay. I'm going to go with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. No! God, was... You guys took my top two picks. Yeah, that... I have to make up some Christmas movies now. This is one that I've watched every Respect. year of my life. That's how it will always be. <laughs> Chevy Chase, incredible. It's, uh... Yeah, it, it, it's just the best Christmas movie. It. I watch it every single year, and I might do it tonight. Screw it. And I, I cannot believe that I got this at two. I thought for sure that's where you're going to go with the first pick. Ah, uh, I wish. Yeah, you guys can't read my writing, but it's it's just bad. But <laughs> I had I had that as one man. I, respect. I didn't think it'd be taken. Well done, guys. All right, back-to-back picks here. Um, can you go office Christmas party? What's wow. That like? It's got uh, TJ Miller, Jason Bateman, Olivia mm-hmm. Munn. A bunch never, of like SNL. People. Never heard of it. It's really good. They played Juicy Wiggle in it. That's pretty cool. Wait, what? Yeah. So it's new. Came out like probably five or six years ago. I was going to say exactly that. Yep, yep. Something like that. Um, and then second round pick. 
See, and this one kind of floats on, is it a Christmas movie? I feel like it is, because if you took Christmas out of it, it wouldn't be a movie. So, Just Friends with uh, Ryan Reynolds and... Oh! I can't think of the girl's name, but Rom-Com. One of my favorite movies. Ever. Okay, so, nice pick. Wow. Off the radar. Yeah. Wow, you guys blew this. I cannot believe that I'm going to get this movie in the second round. It's a Wonderful Life. It might be the best movie ever made. Never seen it. What? <laughs> it might be the best movie ever made. And it's, I think, the best Christmas movie ever made. I just took it because I knew I knew that somebody was going to take Christmas Vacation before me. So See, you guys aren't even playing this game right. You're not taking your own picks. You're taking my picks, so I lose. <laughs> no, but Christmas Vacation's second on my list. That was, yeah, I got to say, I like Jake's draft. Yeah, I, so you've seen it, right, Nick? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I, yeah, I, I would watch it with with my grandfather a few times. Man, amazing pick. Yeah, it's the it's the best Christmas movie. It's you have to watch it, Aiden. It's in black and white. I but, refuse, but you'll still ball your eyes out. I guarantee it. This draft isn't a protest until further notice. <laughs> I love this idea. Credit to Jake. So back to me. Okay, so I got my last two picks here. So I guess the order doesn't really matter. I'm going to go in the order I had it written. And I'm curious if you guys, I'm sure you know it, if you ever watched this. This was one I, I think I'll probably watch, you know, with my kids down the line. A Muppet Family Christmas Carol? Oh, yeah, that was on my list. I Good seen it once. Yes. Thank you. That's just, you know, sentimental value. Obviously, probably not watching that one every year. Don't always have the time, but a really just great movie that I grew up with. And then my last one, man. So, so Natty Lampoons, that would have been a perfect three for three. This one, great movie, very well known. And it is one I generally still watch with my dad, girlfriend, grandma, like to end Christmas. If, if I'm not watching, you know, Jake's nuggets or, or my Lakers or bulls home alone, the oh, original. Dang it. Yes. I thought for sure you're going to pass and I was going to get my top three. But yeah, that you can't go wrong with Home Alone. That's there's really only four Christmas movies that I watch every Christmas season. And it's it's the two I picked. It's Elf and it's Home Alone. Okay, so I'm going to have to go a little bit outside the box. Are we counting like Die Hard, Goodfellas? Yeah. Oh. See, Goodfellas, no. I don't think no, so. No, I'm kidding. I'll no, count I'm with Aiden. I'm, no, Aiden I'm sure. kidding. I'm not picking either of those, even though Goodfellas is the best movie of all time. And it has a Christmas scene. I got the big, I got the most expensive tree they had, Karen. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go with How the Grinch Stole Christmas. God dang it, Jake. Oh, wow. Uh, Taking all of my picks. And I'm going to go with the 1966 animated version. Yeah. I, I still like the Jim Carrey version, but... I'm just a classic, you know what, animated. And the I, I I'll need to revisit this one because I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but I'll I'll be sure to do that this this season. So I, I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of my list. I uh no, well done, man. It was like second best case scenario. So if he picked the nineteen sixty six version, do I oh, the no. version? You can. Yeah, that's my pick if I can. Okay. Take it. Yeah, you can do that. That's, that's... fair, I guess. It's an all-time quotable movie, regardless Christmas or not Christmas. Let me just ask before we do like the, you know the wrap up of each. Have you guys seen Deck the Halls? No. Wait. Oh, okay. 
I feel like you would have, Jake. I don't think so. Okay, it's got uh, John Favreau, the, uh, Matthew Broderick. Yes, yes, I'm okay. pretty sure. Yeah. That was one of my all-time favorites as well, but I got to feel pretty good about my list, honestly. Uh, so my dishonorable mention, one that I would not take under any circumstance, if this draft was like 100 movies long, we each had 25 picks. There's no way I'm ever taking this in a million years. The Polar Express. I hate that movie. Oh. It's the worst Christmas movie ever made. It might be the worst movie ever made. No, no. <laughs> no I'm going to be no, watching it. Yeah, I'm going to be watching it this weekend. Oh, no, it, I hate it. it. Uh, I mean, you guys know me well enough. You know, outside of the work stuff, I'm I'm a pretty sensitive, sappy dude. So I will be watching that. Never. It, it takes me back to being a kid, for sure. See, my least favorite Christmas movie of all time is A Christmas Story. See, that, I, it's, a, it's a common take, I will say. And here is my gripe about it. TBS, they do a 24-hour marathon. <laughs> I don't know that there's any movies worthy of a 24-hour mar- 24 marathon, but A Christmas Story is certainly not worthy of that. See, I haven't seen that since I was probably like 10. So I didn't, I didn't consider it for this list just because I didn't. Do you remember liking it? I think so. Okay. But not enough to go yeah. back and rewatch it. Yeah, Aiden, I think I'm with you. Like, I like it because I distinctly remember when me and my cousins would be hanging out like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, mm-hmm. that it was just on the TV. Yep. But in terms of the actual, like, yeah, greatness of the movie, I, I wouldn't put it as high as some of these either, for sure. It, it's kind of like, uh, you know, how people say... <sighs> I love Alabama and Penn State's uniforms because they're classics. It's kind of like that where everyone is just like, well, it's a classic movie. You have to like it, but it's not that good of a movie. See, that's what I... Sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. That's how I felt about It's a Wonderful Life before I actually watched it. I didn't watch it until probably like two or three years ago. I just assumed like, oh, black and white movie. It's on every year. It's just a classic. And then I watched it. I'm like, yep, that's the best christmas movie ever made and it it wasn't even close so that's that would be my uh my pitch to you to watch it aiden who do we think because we're gonna do like a poll right like you guys would do yeah we'll we'll throw it on twitter x i I could definitely see jake's winning respect better i yeah i just didn't think you guys would have now i'll i'll get rolling here soon but aiden if if neither of us took National Lampoons, would you have touched it? Yeah, I would have taken it. That's my that's my one one. Wow, it was that's, all of ours. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's really cool, man. I'm happy. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't take it first, Nick. That uh, I, I thought I was gonna slide to three. <laughs> I did, did too. You actually, yeah, I didn't. Think yeah, I dude, I did it. too. Oh yeah, no, I so I, I I watch it every year. It's the best. I do feel pretty good about mine. I don't. Well, uh, <laughs> go and vote. At Iowa everywhere on Twitter. We'll throw this poll up. I don't know what the winner will get. I don't know. High five. Good job. Well, Something. if Nick wins, we're not giving him a high five, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe in a few months. But maybe uh, maybe a Heartland flag. Yeah, that that'd be a good one. One week off from the podcast is what the winner will get. <laughs> and if Aiden wins, we're screwed because I was be just gonna to say, but don't pick Aiden. <laughs> yeah, we we will be able to do this. Wow, you guys are making a great case for me. But uh, we will be back 
next week. I promise at some point we're going to talk some Memphis football. I still haven't gotten into it. I've got a nine hour drive to Denver tomorrow. So I'll, uh, I'll have some time to dig into that, but we'll be back. Thank you. As always, Heartland flags and gif channel seed in steeple Ridge bourbon. We'll be back next week and vote for me on Twitter. <laughs> Iowa everywhere.